Welcome to the Valley Hub Stories podcast. I'm your host, Penny Coulter. On the pod today, I have a very special woman and we talk about very many things, but a lot of the conversation centres around connection and meaning. So it is of utmost importance to recognise the country on which we have recorded this episode and that we are both connected to and that of its custodians. So this conversation takes place on Gumbangia country and we acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. It is a privilege to bring you this conversation in this beautiful place and there is a lot of learning and reflection held within this episode. My guest today is Trudy Hayes. Trudy Hayes is a self-described multiple hat wearer. She is a busy bee, literally, managing her family business, Little Star Bee Sanctuary, with her husband. She is a counsellor working in the perinatal and early parenting period, a founding member of Bicep, and most wonderfully, also a director of The Valley Hub. This conversation brings Trudy to you, from motherhood to social work, and all the things around and in between that make up who she is and what she brings to the world. Attempting to capture her in all her forms, it's a conversation between two people who frequently wear similar hats, so you might find this an interesting insight into the ways in which people working in people think or move in the world. And at the very least, you will definitely get a giggle from Trudy's childhood aspirations. And what I definitely know is you will take something from this conversation, and we would love to know what that is. So let's get into the episode. Trudy Hayes, <laughs> welcome to the Valley Hub Stories. Tell me who you are day to day. I'm a mother of two children. I live at Miss Body and caretaker 100 acres out there with my husband. So I'm also a wife and a partner. And I wear a number of different hats in community. I work in private practice. I also am a director of a community organisation. And I've been involved in lots of different community activities over the year. I'm also a soccer mom. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and that takes up a fair amount of time. It does. So you wear many different hats and you often wear them. On the same day. Yes, sometimes in the same hour. How do you do that? I think it's – someone said to me a long time ago, make your vocation your vacation. And so my life is my lifestyle. It's not actually compartmentalised into this, that and the other. Mm. Do you find – and we'll talk about – about your role in private practice, of course, but do you find that challenging in terms of the time pressure and the stress that that could create? There are moments where sometimes I feel like it's all big, Mm. but there will always be moments that I feel like that and I think I make life, my life's journey, one that where I'm aiming towards balance. And I've worked out balance is only something you find in a fleeting moment, Mm. but that I'm always trying to aspire to reach some level of time with my family, 
time with my clients, time with my community, time with myself and time with my partner Mm. and time with the land. So creating balance amongst all those roles, I feel like now is a good time to ask what your role specifically is because often when people are creating, uh, you know, an identity or meaning out of their lives, they assign themselves a definition of what they do and they draw meaning from that. So, you know, what are you? (laughs) What do you do, Trudy? And that really is interesting because as I hear you say that, Penny, I think to myself, I've always struggled with saying what I am. I know who I am, but what I am is hard to explain sometimes. But I like to think that I connect people to finding meaning. Finding meaning for themselves and making sense of things. And sometimes that's wearing different community hats and sometimes that's working one-on-one with people. And... If in my, in my working role, I'm a mental health social worker and sometimes I've even struggled with putting a label to, like I had a business name, but now I just go by my own name because I've struggled to say what it is that I actually do mm. so that people will understand. Uh, but the basis of it is connecting people to making their own sense out of things and finding meaning. Hmm. So let's start where you were born, where you were raised. Wow. Now that's a bit of a long journey. I was born in Sydney on the North Shore. Feels very cliche as I say that. I was there until I was 11. So I feel like I was finished growing up in Brisbane when my parents moved to uh, when when I turned 11, that was my last year of primary school. It was very pivotal to me because everything I knew was in Sydney and then everything changed for me after that. It was a real struggle for me to fit in, living in Brisbane. Uh, so I went to lots of different schools, trying to find a place. And then I continued uh, after school. I went straight on to uni, but... I actually lived mountains outside of Brisbane while I was at uni and I studied social work. I then, when I finished my social work degree, still looking for this sense of community, this sense of belonging, and I moved to the Sunshine Coast. So I was up there for about 15 years post-university. The first job that I had outside university was working with Youth at Risk where we actually lived remotely. Um, So in the middle of absolutely nowhere. It was a place called Hell Hole actually on the map. Literally. Yeah, geographically it was called (laughs) Hell Hole. Uh, Just outside of Warwick and I worked there for like 10 days on and had four days off and went back to the sunny coast. So we lived out in the pack of on like packs on our backs and it was an alternative to detention centre or prison Mm. for young men. Yep. So it was quite interesting in my early 20s when uh, a lot of my clients were not that much younger than me. And then I worked in domestic violence 
on the Sunshine Coast I worked for the Queensland 1800 domestic violence line for a number of years mm. quite enjoyed that too and what prompted the transition to the Nambucca Valley well it was getting just too busy up there I lived in a place called Conondale which was which is the other side of Mullaney and lived out there for probably 10 12 years of that 15 year period um and, yeah, just never really felt held in that place. Uh, I then moved down the coast. I opened an organic shop, which is where my husband walked through the door one day. I'd actually just decide to pack up everything to leave the business and move to Western Australia because I didn't know anyone there and I just thought it would be something different. Again, trying to find some kind of meaning. And the day I decided that, about half an hour, I was watering the plants and this man came through the door and he's now my husband. So we stayed there for a couple of years and then I fell pregnant and had my daughter. And she was born in Gympie Hospital. She was to be a home birth and I was in labour for four days at home and on the fourth day just really sitting with what was happening and decided that if she if nothing happened overnight that progressed the labor any further that I would go to hospital the next day which is what I did and I went to hospital and I was induced and everything went wrong from that point yep it just feels like not that many moments later and I was having an emergency C-section with her. And that was a really challenging period for me after that, feeling like I had had birth but not given birth mm. and that I was going through this amazing initiation rite yet not feeling a part of it new any of it and so feeling connected to my daughter but not connected to much else and I probably spent about six months in that state and that what that is now what led me into what I do now Mm. so she was about one and we moved here again still on that journey of going to Western Australia but meeting my husband and wanting something different but it took a few used to work out and we ended up down here my husband has some some family around and but just also wanting something different and wanting to try something new and we'd been here a few times he was living here when I first met him and I was just really drawn to the land and the landscape and so Yeah, we moved when she was about one and I I just had this real driving force in me that I didn't want women to be feeling the way that I did when I had that birthing experience Mm. and I wanted to provide a space where people could talk about it, where women could talk about it and feel that they could say anything and it be heard and it be understood 
because I remember for that first six months of my daughter's life, people saying to me time and time again, at least you have a healthy baby in your arms. Mm. And yes, I did have a healthy baby and I, you know, every day I gave thanks for that. But it didn't stop me feeling the way I felt and I actually want, I didn't want anyone to make sense of it. I just wanted people to say, okay, if that's how you feel. Mm, yeah. What kind of supports did you have around you at the time? When she was born? When she was born, yeah. None. <laughs> and there was no Gidget House like there is today. There was no Panda like there is today. Uh, there was just no one to talk to, no one that would actually just listen without being dismissive. So when we first moved down here, you know, I was a playgroup was an amazing place for me to connect with other women and the women that I met there are still my very close friends today. And that was a place where I was able to share with other women and to share with them and their stories and to feel like it actually didn't matter how any of us gave birth, uh, but just that there was a connection in all of that to being a woman and to having an experience. And it was through then being with other women in that field that I attended a number of births as a support person and because I'd been a social worker for many years, I then sort of started directing and planning in the back of my head that I wanted to provide this space for women to be heard, to feel validated and to in turn provide a space where they could find meaning. Mm. So tangibly, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? In client, you know, in, in client-facing work, I suppose, because there's, you know, it's multifaceted in that in the, there's levels of levels to that, you know, there's advocacy and there's education and, but then there's also, I, I guess, bottling and then, and then client face-to-face therapeutic interventions, which is such a clinical way to, to put it. But I guess in its essence, it can be, it can be that. Yeah, and I think that's about to get a little bit more adventurous. And some people would say now that I'm pretty adventurous in what I do too. Mm -hmm. But I like to offer a diverse space for people to come. And sometimes that's indoors and sometimes that's outdoors. So although I live at Missabody, I have a practice currently at Bella Beach and back onto some forest that's a nice, beautiful walk down to the beach. So sometimes... You know, four walls is not a place that holds all people very well. Some people really enjoy being in that kind of clinical room space. But for a lot of women, they want to be out and be held by something bigger. So I use the beach a lot in my work. As a social worker, I like to explain that I've got a toolbox of tools rather than a specific framework that I work with. (laughs) And so in that toolbox, not everything's going to work for each person. We might need to try on a few different things. 
but I'm sure we're going to find something in the toolbox. And you know what? If we don't, that's okay too. I don't think that I'm the right fit for everybody either. But I like to think that I'm pretty flexible in being able to offer what I offer. And some of that's quite tangible and some of that's intangible. And it's about the journey that the person or the woman coming to me wants and also needs to go on. So part of my role is about someone comes in and they might not know where it is they're going next. Actually, most people come in and don't know where they're going next. And I think that's due to becoming a mum. That whole sense of how can, who is this person that I now am? How can I work out who that is and fuse that into my life going forwards? Because I'm not what I was and I actually can't go back to that because I've just been through a transformational experience and I'm going to keep getting pushed in that because I have another or a number of other human beings now that I'm totally responsible for. Mm. So it's about finding meaning in that space and I see my role as witnessing and journeying and holding that woman so that she can find what that place is and what that place looks like. Yeah. Something you've said before and I think it might be on your website actually, is the privilege of witnessing that process because, you know, it's it's one thing to have your story heard and, and I guess retelling that narrative in a, in a way that is empowering for women, but then to actually have somebody witnessing the process of, of stepping into who they're becoming is a huge privilege. And it's so powerful. I've just been working with a client recently where – my sole job has been to witness, not mm. to talk, not to pull apart, but just to witness. And it is such a privilege. Mm. So how do you, as, uh, you know, from a therapeutic approach, because acknowledging that you've said you, you use, you know, the modalities or, or things from your toolbox, how do you gauge what that woman is going to need? Is she the expert in in saying, you know, I, I think this is what needs to occur for me to be able to make the next step? Or is that a process of kind of accumulating all of your experience and then working out what, what best fits for the woman? I just want to know what the process, how the process unfolds in your mind as you apply it to each person. Yeah, thanks, Penny. It's very individual. So sometimes... Women will come in and say, this is what I need, this is where I am and this is where I want to get to. Having said that, I also know that that's also not how life works. Mm. So I would always tend to work with the woman first and foremost with what her goals are. But I also have a lot of people that just come to me and go, I don't know, I'm here because I don't know. Mm. And then that's a journey of us finding that out together. Mm. And some of the processes that I use are a way of making sense of that. Mm. So 
a few of the modalities that I use. One of them is called EMDR, which is Eye Movement Desensitisation and Reprocessing, which is works a lot when you're dealing with phobias or trauma. I work in with EMDR in a very somatic way. So that's where we're looking at working with trauma and or memories that might be stored in the body and looking at ways that we can work through unlocking that without it having to go through our brain and cause us extra anxiety Mm. and or depression or feelings of stress. Does that make sense? Mm, Yes. So that's one of the modalities that I use and more and more I'm learning about different somatic processes that are infused in that process. Another process that I use is Active Hope, Deep Ecology or the work that reconnects. It has a few different names. And that came from work from a woman called Joanna Macy overseas, but also a man in Australia called John Seed. And it's a spiral process that focuses on gratitude, honouring our pain, being able to see from a different perspective or seeing with new eyes and then looking at taking actions and being active in our hope and going forth. Mm. So that's a sort of spiral process for that. And then a fairly new process that I've been using is something called WIAPA, which I think also links in a lot with that deep ecology work and I see it as a real gratitude practice or a practice that's about seeing with new eyes or from a different perspective and it's an earth, mind, body, spirit connection practice that follows a series of 14 elements and I use that a lot with my clients as a way of connecting them back to the environment around them. Because we run around as people on this earth, caught up in all our humanness. Mm. But it's often we can be held and we can reflect back to the bigger picture by being held by the landscape around us. So before you were talking about, you know, struggling to find that place where you felt held... Mm. And I want to talk about how you feel held here, but I, I want to specifically connect that to how you feel held in your practice, because obviously you're connecting with a lot of other health professionals in that space too, in support of, you know, perinatal health. Mm-hmm. Tell me about, you know, how you experience that, because as you said, you are, you're practicing in a way that is broad and I want to say different, but it's not necessarily different. It's, it's more innovative, I guess, would be the word to describe it. And, you know, how, how does that kind of connect with traditional health models that we have in the Western world? Wow. I know it's a big question, That's isn't a it? big question. <laughs> I think I might take this in pieces. I'm held in the place that I work by 
so I have a supervisor that I see monthly. So that's like my own counsellor, uh, which I have to as part of my registration. And I'd be stupid not to, I think, in the work that, practice that I have. So I'm held by her. I also attend a group supervision with about five or six other health professionals. And I find that really supportive. But I think it also translates to my work in community as well and feeling held in that place. And then that also translates to that broader picture of, you know, there are very diff- lots of different parts to what make me who I am mm. and feeling like it's not just like I put my work hat on and go to work today, yep. but I actually live my life encompassing all those things so the people that I do connect with are my supports and I do that in the community life that I lead and the different places that I touch and that I am touched by in that place. Mm. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And also by the different things um, that I do, sometimes I like to be a little bit I want to say outrageous. (laughs) Um, But I like to offer that we can take this, you know, wherever it needs to go. Yeah. But there's still a sense of safety about it. Yep. That whole concept of the window of tolerance. Mm. And, you know, obviously I'm always looking at finding what someone's window of tolerance is and making sure we're staying in that. But what I've worked out recently is that the more that we can work with somatic experiences, so that's by releasing trauma and effect in the body, the larger the window of tolerance gets. Mm. And so it's in that place that I really love to work and I'm drawn to working because in that place is the opportunity to see how trauma can get up and leave the room or the beach. Yep. The kayak. Yeah. <laughs> or the bushwalk. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a pretty special place to witness and it's more of that work that I want to see going forward. I guess approaching it in that fluid way really reinforces autonomy too. Yes, Indeed. Mm. And it allows people to explore, like I really like to provide a safe space to explore things in you in different ways. It's that whole thing with new eyes concept, you Mm. know, that if you're being able to look at something from a different perspective, because if we keep doing this life thing the same way over and over and over, A, it gets boring who wants that and B we just keep coming up with the same issues and the same problems over and over and over but if we can start to learn a different dance in that we can start to see what how things can begin to move and change Mm. Mm. reflecting back on your experience as an early social worker because you've you've been a social worker for quite some time, Trudy. I think it's like over a quarter of a decade. Yeah. That's so a bit scary. Since your early 20s. Yes. 
you've worn many different or you've had many different roles in that time from aged care to teaching and also working for the Queensland AIDS Association. Is that yes, correct? I yeah. did. So you've covered quite the scope of the human experience really. Mm. I'm keen to know how whether all of those things connect as one large experience for you or whether they're kind of snippets of your life that have informed the other. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tune in. Uh, are you thinking of things as secular or linear? And I'm not sure if people will quite understand that concept, but I feel like it's worth exploring because it's kind of the human experience and the way that we approach life, isn't it really? I think I spent a lot of my early earlier life and career in linear Mm. Uh, and it didn't get me very far Mm. and I don't even know if it's circular anymore or spiral I like the analogy of the spiral and this concept that I can actually be in one big spiral but in lots of different spirals within that spiral at any one time and I can be spiralling up and I can be spiralling down and I can be spiralling sideways. Mm. And I now just position myself, I think, in life with a knowing and a trust that whatever comes next is absolutely supposed to be. And the less resistance that I have to that, so the less linear that that I want to be, Mm. the better Mm. and you know my father always told me to jump in at the deep end because that's where you would learn the most and I think I can confidently say that I've done that yeah with so many different things in my life and I just feel really grateful for the learning that that's given me Mm. I'm not afraid I am fearful at times, but I'm not afraid because I know through this experience, all all my experiences in life is that where there is fear, there's actually immeasurable power. Mm. And that excites me. Mm. That's the title of your book, Trudy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when uh, you've you've talked about... Uh, the birth of your daughter being you know, a pivotal moment in finding the new path that you're currently on. Is there anything else that stands out to you if you reflect back, and particularly in your career, that has been really informative in terms of pushing you to where you are now? Lots of different things. Um... Maybe that's the answer too. Maybe the answer is... There are lots of different things and the, and the lesson is in taking something from each of those different things. Yeah, may, and look, maybe that, maybe it is. I, um, when I was thinking about this podcast today, I, I was thinking about where did this all start? And so maybe I should go back to the beginning. Maybe this is where you ask me, uh, what did I want to be when I grew up? <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up, Trudy? So I spent many years thinking that I wanted to be a nun. Really? Mm. So I wanted to smuggle smuggle Bibles into Afghanistan 
because I'd heard that it was really hard to do <laughs> and that um, I wanted to do something that was really hard to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I decided that I wanted to be a nun. Can I interject here and ask if you were Catholic? No. <laughs> Lutheran, actually. Okay. Yeah. I was brought up uh, – I was brought up in the Lutheran church. Yeah, so I did mission work in, uh, early on and decided that that wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So that was in my late, well, mid, mid to late teens and, and it was through that experience that I did know that I wanted to help people but I wanted more so than help people. I've got little inverted commas going with my fingers here but more so that I wanted to facilitate a space where people could find what they needed for themselves. Mm. And hence, this is where I sit now and that I see my role in the work that I do is to continue to facilitate that space. And sometimes that does mean pushing where I need to push and stepping back where I need to step back. So it's not just creating a space. It is being fluid within that space as well. Mm. Okay. I want to bring it home by kind of creating an analogy here. Mm-hmm. So it's like you've almost exchanged Bibles <laughs> for hands, like using your hands to hold people when they need to be held, to lead people where they need to be led and to take action where you need to take action. Yeah, I don't think that's a very good analogy, (laughs) I just want to kind of make it simpler to to draw the parallels between how you've gone from being a Bible-smuggling Lutheran into... (laughs) Into a um, an innovative, you know, fluid thinking social worker. Well, I think somewhere along the way that I actually learned that structure actually wasn't necessarily important to the process. I think you go to university and you're out there in the professional world and things have to be this or that and fit within a particular framework. But, you know, living in the Nambucca Valley, I've had the privilege over time to sit with local elders and to be held by country in different ways. And it's through that that I've realised that a lot of that stuff is superficial and it's about being able to let go and trust Mm. that there's more than just me holding this. There's something bigger and, you know, in my room I'll often say, well, we can call that God or goddess or universe or country or earth, creator. You choose your own name for it. And I suppose in terms of finding meaning, that's what it's about, connecting people to, being able to trust that they are being held by something and something larger, something bigger. Mm. And something probably unfathomable at times. Yeah. Yeah. And when you asked me about why here and what's the connection about, and whether it's because I became, really became a mum here or really grew up here, 
but I found that connection here in this place, in the Nambaka Valley. Mm. And I feel at this particular point in my life, but also know that things can change as it has changed so much for me in my life, but I don't really want to be anywhere else. Mm. Like when I drive home out over Barrowville and heading towards home, I always look at those mountains and just that's kind of like my, if I was carrying anything from the day, that's where I let it go. I just know I'm held in those mountains and it's home. Mm. Mm. So if people want to engage with you, how can they do that? So I've got a website under trudyhayes.com.au. You'll see me, my name pop up around the valley, sometimes running different workshops and courses so people can certainly connect with me through that. Always happy where I can to continue conversations. But, yeah, the best place is probably just emailing me and, um, and accessing me through my website. Great. Is there anything you want to leave us with? We live in a phenomenal part of the world and I think there are so many gifts here. And again, I feel privileged each day to be blessed by those gifts in my work life and in my community life and in my family life. Great. Thank you for chatting with me. Thanks so much, Penny, for having me here. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Valley Hub Stories podcast. We hope you'll tune in again next time. And until then, please like, share, rate or review our podcast on your favourite platform or reach out to us on socials at thevalleyhub underscore NV to let us know what you think. Bye for now.